and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us his forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given His only Son to die for us and for His sake forgives us all of our sins. To those who believe on His name, He gives power to become the children of God and has promised them His Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, O Lord, unto us all. Amen. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in a secret heart. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression.
Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning, and though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness and give thanks for all your benefits and serve you in willing obedience through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Scripture readings for this, the fourth Sunday in Lent, the Old Testament reading from the 12th chapter of the prophet Isaiah. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout. And sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The epistle lesson from the fifth chapter of Second Corinthians. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ According to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. 
Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. And now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I've never disobeyed your command. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the gospel of our Lord. We confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Grace and mercy and peace be yours from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text this morning is that parable of the prodigal son. Dear friends in our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus did give us some real gems, but this one has been called the pearl of parables. Indeed, it's a treasure, this parable of the prodigal. It's a rare gem found tucked within the pages of St. Luke's text alone. No other gospel writer records these spoken words of our Lord. Like a pearl enclosed in its oyster, this parable of our Lord has in fact for centuries been called the Evangelium and Evangelio, the gospel within the gospel. And today we consider it carefully, we inspect it closely as we would a precious pearl. And we stand back and appreciate its beauty, but, but most of all we enjoy it. We enjoy it as a priceless treasure given to us. Likely you know the players and the plots of this teaching tale. There are the main characters. There's the father, his older son, the infamous younger one. There's the supporting cast, the father's servants, the employer in the far-off country, his pigs, and the festive fatted calf, plots and subplots and so many players it would seem. But really when it boils down to it, there are just three players in this parable. You, our Lord, your fellow Christian. Where do you fit? Father had two sons. Mind you, they weren't servants, they were sons. They had been born into his household. By birth, they stood to inherit the kingdom. Now, ironically, while still at home, the younger one somehow lost his way. He demanded of his father, Father, give me my portion that's due me, that which you've earned, Father, but the portion that's due me, give me my inheritance. Do you know that few things thought or said or done could be as offensive to the father as this? For in demanding the inheritance, the son was in effect wishing his father dead. Because isn't that how inheritance changed hands? What an affront to his father. Can you imagine such a thought or word or deed that for all intents and purposes would be done despising our father and so wishing him, so to speak, gone and out of our lives? Can you imagine? Maybe you can. Do we fit? But this father is a kind one. A kind one with a soft heart. He doesn't disown his younger son. He could have. Some say he should have. But he doesn't. No, he doesn't disown, but at his son's insistence, rather, hands over to him what he does own. That promised portion. And soon the younger son is well lost and he's far gone. And we're told that he took all that he had and forsook his father and traveled to a far off country. A far off land and there he squandered, he wasted in reckless living what he'd been given. Maybe you'd been there, that far off country. Maybe you and I have spent some time in that place, that place so far off and so far away that we didn't quite realize just how far out of sight the Father's house had become. 
Perhaps we've been more than negligent with all that we've been given. Perhaps like Esau of old. Maybe we've been near willing to exchange our heavenly inheritance for the short-lived porridge. The stew that satisfies only the cravings of this world and only for the briefest of times. Maybe we've squandered it at times, spending our time and our energies on things that best can be described as prodigal, wasteful. Just maybe we fit in. Fact is, there are so many ways that we would go prodigal in our lives. That's to say that sometimes we, like the prodigal son, stubbornly, we willingly, willingly, we walk away from our father's house, from from the heavenly inheritance that's ours. Sometimes the way is far and it's long and it's well evident to many when we'd openly and manifestly live life in a way that's not at all pleasing to our, our heavenly father, even to our own earthly fathers. They're the times when we'd leave home, so to speak. And like the younger son from the parable, we don't care who knows We don't care who it hurts. We really haven't thought how deeply it might hurt those who love us most. Stiff-necked, we're determined to do it, and we're going to do it our way. Going prodigal. And then there are those much shorter ways of going prodigal, the more daily, far more quiet ways, when in the moments of solitude and weakness we deliberately give ourselves over into temptation and indulge, whether to gratify the flesh or proclaim in our hearts what we've been coveting for some time. They're not public. They're known to you alone. And God, maybe in the world the consequences are less when the, when the trip is short, but as one as well put it in the eyes of God, the first deliberate step out the door and away is still as damning as being a hundred thousand steps away from home. Sometimes that's how we are. Sometimes that's how we've been. As a prodigal son. If so, then watch out for life's famines. God at times will allow the famines of life to fall upon us as, as a famine fell upon that younger son. We're told that after spending all, having been careful and wise with none of all that he had, a famine swept the land, and the younger son began then to recognize his need. It's interesting, the Greek word that's used here in describing him, hysteristai. It's like the word hysteria. It implies the son began to panic. And why not? Why not, right? He saw that the loose living had left him with nothing Nothing ultimately important to him. Everything that mattered most to him was lost. Now you'd think that it would be enough to bring the young man to leave it all behind and in penitence go back home if home would happen. But look what happens. Look what so often happens. Refusing to turn around and acknowledge how wrong he's been, now he sinks to his lowest. He joins himself to a Gentile and sells himself for pig feeding. You and I might think, well, that's a respectable start, a rather honorable way, perhaps, first step. But 
remember this. Pigs were unclean to Jews. And there he was. Wallowing in the unclean. Even entertaining the idea of devouring it all. God will let us hit rock bottom at times. He'll let us hit rock bottom so that we might see the waywardness of our waywardness. Paul writes in Romans, when we've been stiff-necked, when we've been hard-hearted, then finally God will give us over to, to, to uncleanness. In the lusts of our heart, He'll give us up to it. He'll give us over to, to our vile passions. Why? So that we can see how unsatisfying and how unsavory the pig pen and the pig pods of life really are. You see, He'll do it so that through it, He returns us, or he would return us to our senses. There's that thought again. Returning. Repentance. Metanoia in the Greek. It's it's being turned around and God does it to us and God does it for us. Through circumstances in life, often through the word of his law, he'll do it. Turning around and heading back in the other direction. And here finally the son, the younger son, is brought to his senses. He knows his father's not to blame. His older brother's not to blame. He's no innocent victim of worldly circumstances. No true confession points the finger right where it should be. It's like we say in the liturgy of one of our evening prayer services. We say, I have sinned by my fault. By my own fault, by my own most grievous fault. And so the younger son, brought to his senses, plans to to head in the other direction, to turn his steps around and return home. But as we so often do, we want to rectify, at least in part, the situation, in part by the work of our own hands. And so the son, recognizing himself, and rightly so, no longer worthy to be called a son, his father's son, he hopes that by chance he might gain access to the father's house again by work. He'll ask that his father receive him as a workman, as a servant. We do that too, don't we? It's human nature to want to couple our confession with some sort of effort on our part to be pleasing to God and thereby hope to earn the father's favor. Or some degree of it back again. We want to broker a deal so often. We want to establish a working contract with him. I confess my sin, but do I feel sorry enough for it? Have I sweated for the church enough to validate the confession I make with my mouth? And so in this way, the son returns to his father, rehearsing his proposed confession. But... Well, he was still far off. Well, he was still far off. Compassion ran its course. Well, the son was still far off. Compassion, the Greek word is, means a gut-turning compassion. That you feel on the inside. Well, he was still far off. Compassion runs its course before any sort of confession could be made, any token of regret offered or word of reconciliation by the Son put forth. Before it all, the Father finds Him. 
before it all the Father who must have been perched there day upon day, hoping and yearning and looking for the return of His Son, before it all the Father finds Him in this noble and this distinguished Father, eyes welling with drops of joy. He gathers up His robe, and in the most unnoble and undignified and socially uncouth way, He runs, He runs to embrace His wayward Son. And that's significant. You know why? Because as estates were commonly configured at the time, as the father dashed down the long road leading away from the main house of the estate, think of the southern plantations in our country's history and the long roads that so often traveled to and away from them. As he ran that road, all who lived in the surrounding servants' quarters would have seen him running in that way in such an, a socially undignified way, but you know, he didn't care. He didn't care. Undignified as it may be, compassion ran to him who was lost. And he threw his arms around him and he embraced him. And the text says he kissed him affectionately. What else can you say? Don't we fit in? And there the son in his father's embrace, the son began that rehearsed confession. But he didn't finish it. For as one has said, there's no room for deals in a father's embrace. He realized that the point wasn't in lost possessions money, but in the broken relationship with his father. One that he of himself couldn't reconcile, the father had to do that. And friends, the father has done it. The father has done it. God, the father so loved you and me in this lost, lost world that he sent his son. And God was in His Son, Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, repairing the fractured relationship, not counting our trespasses against us. God ran to us. He ran. Unbecoming and uncouth of God as it may have been, He ran to you. And He gathered up His nobility and His divine dignity, and, and to you and to me He ran all the way to the cross He ran. Whereupon God in Christ reconciled the world to Himself with arms flung wide in the most assuring embrace that a lost one ever has known. And He didn't care who saw Him. For as Scripture says, that for the joy set before Him, us, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, despising it's shame. He's not ashamed to run to you. He wasn't ashamed then in Christ. He's not ashamed now. Through Christ and His Word, with all of its dignity and nobility and sanctity, and yet has He not sent it? His ambassador? Has He not sent it out to find you and me, even into the far off and the unclean places our lives have seen? 
He sends his word, his gospel, to embrace us with a father's embrace, an embrace that leaves no room for doubt, his gospel embrace, that each time we return saying to him, Father, I've sinned, an embrace that affirms and reaffirms and confirms to you week after week and day after day your sonship. His word and his sacraments too. In the sacraments he gives us the ring and the robe of a son, doesn't he? And he gives the slain fattened calf to prove it. For in baptism he dons us with the festal robe and he signs us with a seal that makes and marks us who we are and what we are. We're not servants, we're his sons. Sons of the Father so that all that he has is yours. And you know well that a father's feast, the best that he has has been prepared for you in his sacrament of the altar. For you who were lost and yet have been found, call it the fatted calf. Scripture calls him the Lamb of God, whose blood has been shed, whose body has been prepared for the eating. So taste here as often as you do. And see that the Lord is gracious, he's good. Isn't this where we fit in? Isn't this where we fit in? There's no room here but for rejoicing. How? Could we now sit out in the field like the older brother and refuse to rejoice with the angels in all of heaven whenever one who's been wayward is found and returned and restored? Christ warns us against this kind of waywardness too, doesn't he? And I suppose this one's really a warning for the well-seasoned Christian. Maybe it has been. As the older son said, Lo, for these many years that we've been in our father's house and serving him, perhaps we've seen some come and then go and go far and go wide and then come back again and again and again. And maybe you think that these should have to earn their status again in the father's house. Friend, Is it not right that we should make merry and be glad? For your brother was dead, but is alive again. He was lost, but has been found. Do you know the most prodigal figure in this parable today? It's not the younger son. It's not the older one. It's the Father. The Father is most wasteful, most extravagant, most lavish with His kindness and His, and his compassion, His possessions. Our Heavenly Father's like that. He would have all to be saved and to come to know that because of Christ, He's not dealt with us according to our transgressions, but makes our cups runneth over. And that's prodigal love. It's prodigal love. Enjoy this pearl of a parable 
It's yours. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Rise now and sing with me our post-sermon hymn, As Rebels, Lord, Who Foolishly Have Wandered.
according to their needs, especially today for all who have wandered from the Father's house, that in repentance and faith they may, by God's grace, return home. We pray. O Holy Father, desiring that all who have sinfully wandered from you would return home, cause your Holy Spirit to work within them through your word, that repenting of their sin they may have faith in the redeeming work of our elder brother and your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and through him hear your fatherly welcome. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who are lost in this world without you, we pray that you would work through each of us in our daily vocations to truly love them and speak your word of truth to them in love. Forgive us our fearful silence, and as we have opportunity, enable us to clearly confess Christ, that the lost may be found and see in him the way, the truth, and the life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. To that end, O Lord, bless the pastors of your church, that through the ministry of reconciliation entrusted to them, the word they preach and teach may prepare us to confess him who for our sake became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Through them, shepherd the sheep of your flock, protect us all from the evil one, who as a wolf in sheep's clothing would devour from within, but the good shepherd purchased with his own blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our nation, our president and Congress and the courts of our land, for all who enforce our laws and protect our homes and businesses from criminal actions and natural disasters, for our military as it defends us far from home, for our schools and business and industry and all wholesome arts and true and useful sciences, that your goodwill would be accomplished through all of them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For hospitals and doctors and nurses and health professionals of every sort, that through them you would bring health and healing to the sick and to the suffering and relief from pain to the dying. We pray especially, O oh Lord, today for Joe Avran and Ellie Heinz as they recover from surgery, Artis Miller who recovers from chemotherapy, Hugh Ryan, Dick and Elsie Much, Keith Mallott, Marguerite Held, Sonia Heidemann, who suffer from chronic illnesses, all others unnamed, who need your healing and the compassion and the care of your people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who suffer from earthquakes in Haiti and Chile and Indonesia, that you would work through your people and the nations of the world to bring them help and hope as they recover and rebuild, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For celebrating families, and especially for the family of Timothy Small, who today celebrates in ceremony his promotion to the rank of Colonel in the United States Army, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For families in conflict, that they may overcome what threatens to divide them. For the troubled and the depressed, that in your word and promises they may find hope for tomorrow. For the tempted, that in your Son they may find victory over today's temptations. For the lonely, that in the fellowship of your church they may find concern and compassion. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all the saints who once feebly struggled here in faith, but have now gone before us to shine in glory, we thank you, O Lord, and we pray that by the grace that sustained them, we too would be sustained in the faith and finally receive a Father's welcome 
when our course has been completed and our day here is done. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the the bright beams of your light upon your church, that we, being instructed by the doctrine of the blessed apostles, may walk in the light of your truth and finally attain to light of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.